Good morning and welcome to Noah's Window. Yesterday, I started talking to you about the wise men and I told you that today we'd be talking about Herod because when you get into Matthew chapter two in the story of the birth of Jesus, you see this juxtaposition between the wise men and Herod. Wise men kind of represent everything good and Herod kind of represents everything bad. But before I get into the actual story from the Bible, I'd like to give you a little backstory so that you'll know who Herod was, maybe have a little better understanding of him. You know, when you open the New Testament and you see that Herod is king, it can raise questions for Bible students because we know that when Judah went into captivity about 500, 500 maybe 80 years before that, we know that the king at the time, Zedekiah, was the last king that Judah had, and they never had a king after that. Well, why all of a sudden, when you open the New Testament, does there appear to be a king in Jerusalem? It all comes down to the Roman government. The Romans ruled the world. They were the actual power, but they liked to install puppet kings in lands that they felt like would be acceptable to the people who lived there. The Romans never completely understood the Jews. It was just two very different cultures. And Rome thought they were doing the Jews a favor, but instead they actually threw salt in their eyes, and it came down like this. The Romans had a buddy that lived in this area named Herod, um, and they thought, wow, he's our, he's our buddy. We'll put him in as king, and the Jews are going to like him fine. What, what, the, what the Romans didn't understand was that Herod was not a Jew. He was an Idumean. man. He was a descendant of Esau. So he wasn't even Jew, a Jew, but the Romans installed him there. Now, it also too, you know, if you know the New Testament, you know that it can look like there was Herod was on the throne when Jesus was born and Herod was on the throne when Jesus died, but it's two Herods. Actually, the Herod on the throne when Jesus died was Herod Antipas. He was the son of Herod. Herod, when Jesus was born, was known as Herod the Great. What interests me as I look at this guy, this Herod the Great, was that in some ways he started out doing some pretty good things. In fact, the temple that was built during Jesus' time, it was called Herod's Temple because he wanted the Jewish people to have their temple up to date. There were times when the people were impoverished and, and starving, and Herod took some of his own money and fed poor people with it. So he could do great things at the beginning, but it's very clear by the time Jesus is born, he's got a very, very wicked heart. So with all that history out of the way. Let's look at the story. The Bible says Jesus was born in Bethlehem during the reign of King Herod. About the same time, some wise men from eastern lands came. We saw them yesterday. And here's the thing about the wise men. The question that they asked when they got to Jerusalem was what freaked Herod out. You know the question. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? If you're Herod, what's the word in that question that freaks you out? I mean, definitely he wasn't happy that a king a rival king might possibly be born, but it was the word born itself. Because see, Herod was not born king of the Jews. He knew that. He knew very clearly he was sitting on a throne that he had no right to. From the very beginning of the Davidic dynasty, God had been very clear that a, a descendant of David would be on the throne. And Herod knew he was on the throne, but he wasn't born king of the Jews. So when the wise men came along and said, where is he, this born king of the Jews? That's what got him so upset. In fact, it is interesting when you think about this. In verse 3, the Bible says Herod was deeply disturbed. Think about this. Jesus is born. The Messiah is born six miles away from where you live. 
I mean, if Jesus was six miles away from where you and I are right now, we would do everything in the world to get there as fast as we could. And yet Herod was deeply disturbed because these wise men were going all over town asking everybody they could see, where is he that's born king of the Jews? They expected everybody to know. Now, the Bible says Herod was deeply disturbed, but the thing that catches my attention, the Bible says so was everybody else in Jerusalem. Why would they be disturbed that the greatest thing in the universe had happened right there where they were? Good question. Now, the next thing that Herod does is something that really does cause me to just pause in shock. When Herod wants to know who this king might be, he goes to the Bible scholars in this town, and he asks the question, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And what do they do? They go to the Bible. They go to the book of Micah, and they look at a prophecy that we've been talking about that was written 500 years before, and they said, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Now, you and I know the rest of the story. Herod doesn't want to worship Jesus. He wants to kill him. Now, wrap your mind around that for a little bit. Herod believes the Bible enough that he wants to know what does the Bible say about where this Messiah is supposed to be born. Now, I, I struggle with that because if you believe the Bible is true, then why would you feel that you have the power to destroy someone whom the Bible has prophesied so many great things about? I think the answer to that question is the same thing that a lot of us feel. I mean, for those of us who love Jesus and believe the Bible, we open the Word of God, and it seems so clear and it seems so wonderful, and yet we talk to people who are kind of like blind to it. In fact, that's what the New Testament says. They are spiritually blinded. And to me, that's the only explanation for how a man like Herod could ask, what does the Bible say about where Messiah is prophesied to be born, and then turn around and in his heart want to kill that king who's been born. Well, we know what happens next. Herod says to the wise men, go to Bethlehem, search for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. But we know, and eventually the wise men would know, that Herod doesn't really want to worship the Messiah. He wants to kill him. Well, Herod to me is just such a sad story. We talked a few moments ago about how that Herod may have actually started out pretty good, wanting to do good things, wanting to care about people. Do you know how Herod ended up? He ended, he ended up lonely, hated, and desperate. Here, here's something that I think you may find interesting. Herod, you know, if somebody could say, well, well, Mark, what a horrible man to kill all the boy babies in Bethlehem. And you're right, it's, it's horrific. But Herod killed three of his own sons and killed a wife and killed other family members. I mean, he, he just destroyed his life in the most awful kinds of ways. All of that to say this, Herod's issue was <laughs> he was a king who had no right to his throne and he wanted to stay king at all costs. Wow, does that come right down to where we live today? I hear so many awful things. I mean, as pastor of a great church, I'm gonna hear stories about awful things that people do. I can't tell you how many times someone reads to me something that someone has done bad, and the first word that comes to my mind is control. The person who has done the bad thing wants control. I mean, if you look at almost all the bad things that human beings do to other bad things, it pretty well comes down to wanting control. Control is something that we were never meant to have. See, 
as someone said many years ago wisely, there is, there is a hole in our hearts. There is a, an empty throne in our hearts that was designed for God. And as long as we sit on that throne, we're going to crave control. This is what causes marriages to have trouble. You know, oftentimes you have two people in a marriage, they both want control. This is what, this is what causes all kinds of problems in the workplace. It's what causes all kinds of problems in human relationships. The desire for control is the desire to sit on a throne we were never designed to sit on. That's what kept Herod from worshiping. And even though, and I, I say one more time, I, I'm just blown away by this. Even though the greatest thing to ever happen in the history of the world happened six miles away from where he lived, that would have offered him salvation, forgiveness, and a life of meaning, he pushed Jesus away because he was desperate to stay on the throne of his heart. You know, I, I don't want to preach at anybody else right now. I think this is a great time for me to look at my own heart because our human, our human frailty makes us want to have control. Now, think about that for just a moment. I mean, it, it makes no sense that we frail, broken humans would want control. <laughs> if you just looked at that on its, on its face, it makes no sense. But there's something about us that craves that control. It's like if I don't keep control, I'm going to lose what I have. What we don't understand is the craving for control proves that we're going to lose what we have. How wise we would be to be like the wise men. And these were guys who really were smart. And yet these wise men knelt down in front of a feeding trough with a peasant baby, with a mom and a, a leader of the family, Joseph, even though he wasn't Jesus' biological dad. That I mean, these were people that the, ta the town of Bethlehem would have walked right past like they didn't exist. But the wise men knelt down and worshiped Jesus because they understood what you and I understand is that none of us were ever destined to sit on the throne of our hearts. We were destined to give that space to Jesus and to let him be king and rule of our lives. You know, every weekend at New Spring, I prayed the sinner's prayer. And I invite people to accept Jesus as Savior and King. In the book of Philippians, the Bible tells us that someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is king. I know that day is coming, but I don't want to wait till that day. I want Jesus to be my king today. And I know that so many of you join me in that as we worship our king and want him to sit on the throne of our hearts. Father God, I pray that even those of us who have committed our lives to Jesus Christ, we might daily fight spiritual warfare, to push junk off the throne of our lives, and yes, even ourselves, in order that Jesus might reign where he rightfully belongs in our lives. Help us with that. Oh God, help all of us who are married. Help us all who are parents. Help those of us who are in the workplace. Oh God, may Jesus reign in our lives so that the light of Jesus can shine to the world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, thanks for joining us today on Noah's Window, and thank you for letting me ramble. I love these stories of the wise men and, in contradistinction, the story of Herod. To me, they just have so many lessons for our times. May God bless you. Have an awesome day. Mary Alice will be back tomorrow.